CBD is your off button for your daily stress. Jupiter Organic CBD helps relax your mind and body for better and deeper sleep. It's 100% USDA organic, never makes you high, and is, of course, legal to buy and consume in all 50 states. Pair this podcast with Jupiter CBD for better sleep and less stress. Get 10% off with code ASMR at getjupiter.com. That's getjupiter.com, promo code ASMR for 10% off your order. Act 2. Scene 1. A room in Polonius's house. Enter Polonius and Rinaldo. Polonius. Give him this money and these notes, Rinaldo. Rinaldo. I will, my lord. Polonius. You shall do marvellous wisely, good Rinaldo, before you visit him, to make inquiry of his behaviour. Rinaldo. My lord, I did intend it. Polonius. Mary, well said. Very well said. Look you, sir. Inquire me first what danskers are in Paris, and how, and who, what means, and where they keep, what company, at what expense, and finding, by this encompassment and drift of question, that they do know my son, come you more nearer, than your particular demands will touch it, take you, as twere, some distant knowledge of him, as thus, I know his father and his friends, and in part him, do you mark this, Rinaldo? Rinaldo. Aye, very well, my lord. Polonius. And in part him. But, you may say, not well. But if it be he, I mean, he's very wild, addicted so-and-so, and there put on him what forgeries you please. Mary, none so rank as may dishonour him. Take heed of that. But, sir, such wanton, wild, and usual slips as are companions noted, and most known to youth and liberty. Rinaldo. As gaming, my lord. Polonius. Ay, or drinking, fencing, swearing, quarrelling, drabbing. You may go so far. Rinaldo. My lord, that would dishonour him. Polonius. Faith, no, as you may season it in the charge. You must not put another scandal on him, that he is open to incontinency. That's not my meaning. But breathe his faults so quaintly, that they may seem the taints of liberty, the flash and outbreak of a fiery mind, a savageness in unreclaimed blood of general assault. Rinaldo. But, my good lord, Polonius, wherefore should you do this? Rinaldo. I, my lord, I would know that. Polonius. Mary, sir, here's my drift, and I believe it is a fetch of warrant. You laying these slight sullies on my son, as t'were a thing a little soiled in the working. Mark you, your party in converse, him you would sound, having ever seen in the predominant crimes the youth you breathe of guilty, be assured he closes with you in this consequence. Good sir, or so, or friend, or gentleman, according to the phrase or the addition of man and country. Rinaldo. Very good, my lord. Polonius. And then, sir, does he this? He does. What was I about to say? 
by the mass i was about to say something where did i leave Ronaldo, at closes in the consequence at friend or so and gentleman polonius at closes in the consequence ay marry he closes with you thus i know the gentleman i saw him yesterday or t'other day or then or then with such or such and as you say there was he gaming there o'ertook ends rouse there falling out at tennis or perchance i saw him enter such a house of sale vitalicit a brothel or so forth see you now your bait of falsehood takes this carp of truth and thus do we of wisdom and of reach with windlasses and with assays of bias by indirections find directions out so by my former lecture and advice shall you my son you have me have you not Ronaldo, my lord i have polonius god be with you fare you well Ronaldo, good my lord polonius observe his inclination in yourself Ronaldo, i shall my lord polonius and let him ply his music Ronaldo, well my lord polonius farewell exit Ronaldo. enter ophelia how now ophelia what's the matter ophelia alas my lord i have been so affrighted polonius with what in the name of god ophelia my lord as i was sewing in my chamber lord hamlet with his doublet all unbraced no hat upon his head his stockings fouled ungartered and down gived to his ankle pale as his shirt his knees knocking each other and with a look so piteous and purpose as if he had been loosed out of hell to speak of horrors he comes before me polonius mad for thy love ophelia my lord i do not know but truly i do fear it polonius what said he ophelia he took me by the wrist and held me hard then goes he to the length of all his arm and with his other hand thus o'er his brow he falls to such perusal of my face as he would draw it long stayed he so at last a little shaking of mine arm and thrice his head thus waving up and down he raised a sigh so piteous and profound as it did seem to shatter all his bulk and end his being that done he lets me go and with his head over his shoulder turned he seemed to find his way without his eyes for out of doors he went without their help and to the last bended their light on me polonius come go with me i will go see the king this is the very ecstasy of love whose violent property fordoes itself and leads the will to desperate undertakings as oft as any passion under heaven that does afflict our natures i am sorry what have you given him any hard words of late ophelia no my good lord but as you did command i did repel his letters and denied his access to me polonius that hath made him mad 
I am sorry that with better heed and judgment I had not quoted him. I feared he did but trifle, and meant to wreck thee. But beshrew my jealousy. It seems it as proper to our age to cast beyond ourselves and our opinions, as it is common for the younger sort to lack discretion. Come, we go to the king. This must be known, which, being kept close, might move more grief to hide than hate to utter love. Exunt. Scene two. A room in the castle. Enter king, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and attendants. King. Welcome, dear Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Moreover, that we much did long to see you, the need we have to use you did provoke our hasty sending. Something have you heard of Hamlet's transformation? So I call it. Since nor the exterior nor the inward man resembles that it was, what it should be, more than his father's death, that thus hath put him so much from the understanding of himself, I cannot dream of. I entreat you both, that, being of so young days brought up with him, and since so neighbored to his youth and humor, that you vouchsafe your rest here in our court some little time. So, by your companies, to draw him on to pleasures, and to gather so much as from occasion you may glean, whether aught to us unknown afflicts him thus, that opened lies within our remedy. Queen, good gentlemen, he hath much talked of you, and sure I am two men there are not living to whom he more adheres, if it will please you to show us so much gentry and good will as to expend your time with us a while for the supply and profit of our hope your visitation shall receive such thanks as fits a king's remembrance rosencrantz both your majesties might by the sovereign power you have of us put your dread pleasures more into command than to entreaty guildenstern we both obey and here give up ourselves in the full bent to lay our service freely at your feet to be commanded. King. Thanks, Rosencrantzing, gentle Guildenstern. Queen. Thanks, Guildenstern and gentle Rosencrantz, and I beseech you instantly to visit my too much changed son. Go, some of you, and bring these gentlemen where Hamlet is. Guildenstern. Heavens make our presence and our practices pleasant and helpful to him. Queen. Aye, amen. Exunt, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and some attendants. Enter Polonius. Polonius. The ambassadors from Norway, my good lord, are joyfully returned. King. Thou still hast been the father of good news. Polonius. Have I, my lord? Assure you, my good liege, I hold my duty as I hold my soul, both to my God and to my gracious king. And I do think or else this brain of mine hunts not the trail of policy so sure as it hath used to do, that I have found the very cause of Hamlet's lunacy. King, oh, speak of that, that do I long to hear. Polonius, give first admittance to the ambassadors. My news shall be the fruit to that great feast. King, thyself do grace to them, and bring them in. Exit Polonius. 
he tells me my sweet queen he hath found the head and source of all your son's distemper queen i doubt it is no other but the main his father's death an hour or hasty marriage king well we shall sift him enter polonius with voltimand and cornelius welcome my good friends say voltimand what from our brother norway voltimand most fair return of greetings and desires upon our first he sent out to suppress his nephew's levies which to him appeared to be a preparation against the polack but better looked into he truly found it was against your highness whereat grieved that so his sickness age and impotence was falsely borne in hand sends out arrests on fortinbras which he in brief obeys receives rebuke from norway and in fine makes vow before his uncle never more to give the say of arms against your majesty whereon old norway overcome with joy gives him three thousand crowns in annual fee and his commission to employ those soldiers so levied as before against the polack with an entreaty herein further shown gives a paper that it might please you to give quiet pass through your dominions for this enterprise on such regards of safety and allowance as therein are set down king it likes us well and in our more considered time we'll read answer and think upon this business meantime we thank you for your well-took labour go to your rest at night we'll feast together most welcome home exeunt voltamond and cornelius polonius this business is well ended my liege and madam to expostulate what majesty should be what duty is why day is day night is night and time is time were nothing but to waste night day and time therefore since brevity is the soul of wit and tediousness the limbs and outward flourishes i will be brief your noble son is mad mad call i it for to define true madness what is but to be nothing else but mad but let that go queen more matter with less art polonius madam i swear i use no art at all that he is mad tis true tis true tis pity and pity tis tis true a foolish figure but farewell it for i will use no art mad let us grant him then and now remains that we find out the cause of this effect or rather say the cause of this defect for this effect defective comes by cause thus it remains and the remainder thus perpend i have a daughter have whilst she is mine who in her duty and obedience mark hath given me this now gather and surmise reads to the celestial and my soul's idol the most beautified ophelia that's an ill phrase a vile phrase beautified is a vile phrase but you shall hear thus reads in her excellent white bosom these etc queen came this from hamlet to her polonius good madam stay a while i will be faithful 
reads, Doubt thou the stars are fire, Doubt that the sun doth move, Doubt truth to be a liar, But never doubt I love. O dear Ophelia, I am ill at these numbers, I have not art to reckon my groans, But that I love thee best, O oh, most best, believe it, Adieu, thine evermore, most dear lady, whilst this machine is to him. Hamlet. This in obedience hath my daughter showed me, and more above hath his solicitings, as they fell out by time, by means, and place, all given to mine ear. King. But how hath she received his love? Polonius. What do you think of me? King as of a man faithful and honourable. Polonius, I would fain prove so. But what might you think when I had seen this hot love on the wing, as I perceived it? I must tell you that before my daughter told me, what might you, or my dear majesty your queen here, think? If I had played the desk or table-book, or given my heart a winking, mute and dumb, or looked upon this love with idle sight, what might you think? No, I went round to work, and my young mistress thus I did bespeak. Lord Hamlet is a prince, out of thy sphere, this must not be. And then I precepts gave her, that she should lock herself from his resort, admit no messengers, receive no tokens, which done, she took the fruits of my advice. And he, repulsed, a short tale to make, fell into a sadness, then into a fast, thence to a watch, thence into a weakness, thence to a lightness, and by this declension into the madness wherein now he raves, and all we wail for. King, do you think tis this? Queen, it may be, very likely. Polonius, hath there been such a time, I'd fain know that, that I have positively said tis so, when it proved otherwise? King, not that I know. Polonius, take this from this, if this be otherwise, points to his head and shoulder. If circumstances lead me, I will find where truth is hid, though it were hid indeed within the centre. King, how may we try it further? Polonius, you know sometimes he walks for hours together here in the lobby. Queen, so he does indeed. Polonius, at such a time I'll loose my daughter to him. Be you and I behind an heiress then. Mark the encounter. If he love her not, then he not from his reason fall thereon. Let me be no assistant for a state, but keep a farm and carters. King, we will try it. Queen, but look where sadly the poor wretch comes reading. Polonius, away, I do beseech you, both away, I'll board him presently. Oh, give me leave. Exunt king, queen, and attendants. Enter Hamlet, reading. How does my good lord Hamlet? Hamlet, well, God a mercy. Polonius, do you know me, my lord? Hamlet, excellent well. You're a fishmonger. Polonius, not I, my lord, Hamlet, then I would you were so honest a man. 
Polonius. Honest, my lord. Hamlet. Ay, sir, to be honest, as this world goes, is to be one man picked out of ten thousand. Polonius. That's very true, my lord. Hamlet. For if the sun breed maggots in a dead dog, being a god-kissing carrion. Have you a daughter? Polonius. I have, my lord. Hamlet. Let her not walk in the sun. Conception is a blessing, but not as your daughter may conceive. Friend, look to it. Polonius. How say you by that? Aside. Still harping on my daughter. Yet he knew me not at first. He said I was a fishmonger. He is far gone, far gone. And truly in my youth I suffered much extremity for love. Very near this. I'll speak to him again. What do you read, my lord? Hamlet. Words, words, words. Polonius. What is the matter, my lord? Hamlet. Between who? Polonius. I mean the matter that you read, my lord. Hamlet. Slanders, sir, for the satirical slave says here that old men have gray beards, that their faces are wrinkled, their eyes purging thick amber and plum tree gum, and that they have a plentiful lack of wit, together with most weak hams, all which, sir, though I most powerfully and potently believe, yet I hold it not honesty to have it thus set down. For you yourself, sir, should be old as I am, if, like a crab, you could go backward. Polonius, aside, though this be madness, yet there is a method in it. Will you walk out of the air, my lord? Hamlet, into my grave. Polonius, indeed, that is, out of the air. Aside, how pregnant sometimes his replies are, a happiness that often madness hits on which reason and sanity could not so prosperously be delivered of, I will leave him and suddenly contrive the means of meeting between him and my daughter. My honourable lord, I will most humbly take my leave of you. Hamlet. You cannot, sir, take from me anything that I will more willingly part with all, except my life, except my life, except my life. Polonius. Fare you well, my lord. Hamlet, these tedious old fools. Enter Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Polonius, you go to seek the Lord Hamlet. There he is. Rosencrantz to Polonius. God save you, sir. Exit Polonius. Guildenstern, my honoured lord. Rosencrantz, my dear lord. Hamlet, my excellent good friends. How dost thou, Guildenstern? Ah, Rosencrantz, good lads, how do ye both? Rosencrantz, as the indifferent children of the earth. Guildenstern, happy in that we are not over-happy. On fortune's cap we are not the very button. Hamlet, nor the soles of her shoe. Rosencrantz, neither, my lord. Hamlet, then you live about her waist, or in the middle of her favours. Guildenstern, Faith, her privates, we. Hamlet. In the secret parts of fortune, oh, most true, she is a strumpet. What's the news? 
Rosencrantz. None, my lord, but that the world's grown honest. Hamlet. Then is doomsday near. But your news is not true. Let me question more in particular. What have you, my good friends, deserved at the hands of fortune that she sends you to prison hither? Guildenstern. Prison, my lord. Hamlet. Denmark's a prison. Rosencrantz. Then is the world one. Hamlet. A goodly one, in which there are many confines, wards, and dungeons, Denmark being one of the worst. Rosencrantz. We think not so, my lord. Hamlet. Why then, tis none to you, for there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. To me it is a prison. Rosencrantz. Why, then, your ambition makes it one? Tis too narrow for your mind. Hamlet. O oh God, I could be bounded in a nutshell, and count myself a king of infinite space, were it not that I have bad dreams. Yildenstern. Which dreams indeed are ambition? For the very substance of the ambitious is merely the shadow of a dream. Hamlet. A dream itself is but a shadow. Rosencrantz. Truly, and I hold ambition of so airy and light a quality that it is but a shadow's shadow. Hamlet. Then are our beggars bodies, and our monarchs and outstretched heroes the beggars' shadows. Shall we to the court? For by my fay I cannot reason. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. We'll wait upon you. Hamlet. No such matter. I will not sort you with the rest of my servants, for, to speak to you like an honest man, I am most dreadfully attended. But in the beaten way of friendship, what make you at Elsinore? Rosencrantz. To visit you, my lord, no other occasion. Hamlet. Beggar that I am, I am even poor in thanks. But I thank you. And sure, dear friends, my thanks are too dear a half-penny. Were you not sent for? Is it your own inclining? Is it a free visitation? Come, deal justly with me. Come, come, nay, speak. Guildenstern. What should we say, my lord? Hamlet. Why, anything but to the purpose you were sent for. And there is a kind of confession in your looks which your modesties have not craft enough to colour. I know the good king and queen have sent for you. Rosencrantz. To what end, my lord? Hamlet. That you must teach me. But let me conjure you, by the rights of our fellowship, by the consonancy of our youth, by the obligation of our ever-preserved love, and by what more dear, a better proposer could charge you withal, be even and direct with me, whether you were sent for or no. Rosencrantz. To Guildenstern, what say you? Hamlet, aside, nay, then, I have an eye of you. If you love me, hold not off. Guildenstern, my lord, we were sent for. Hamlet, I will tell you why. So shall my anticipation prevent your discovery, and your secrecy to the king and queen molt no feather. I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth. 
foregone all custom of exercises, and indeed it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame, the earth, seems to me a sterile promontory, this most excellent canopy, the air, look you, this brave o'erhanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with gold and fire, why, it appears no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours. What a piece of work is man! How noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god! The beauty of this world, the paragon of animals, and yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. No, nor woman neither, though by your smiling you seem to say so. Rosencrantz, my lord, there was no such stuff in my thoughts. Hamlet, why did you laugh, then, when I said man delights not me? Rosencrantz, to think, my lord, if you delight not in man, what Lenten entertainment the players shall receive from you. We coated them on the way, and hither are they coming to offer you service. Hamlet. He that plays the king shall be welcome. His majesty shall have tribute of me. The adventurous knight shall use his foil and target. The lover shall not sigh gratis. The humorous man shall end his part in peace. The clown shall make those laugh whose lungs are tickle o' the seer, and the lady shall say her mind freely, or the blank verse shall halt for it. What players are they? Rosencrantz, even those you were wont to take such delight in, the tragedians of the city. Hamlet, how chances it they travel? Their residence both in reputation and profit was better both ways. Rosencrantz, I think their inhibition comes by the means of the late innovation. Hamlet, do they hold the same estimation they did when I was in the city? Are they so followed? Rosencrantz, no, indeed are they not. Hamlet, how comes it? Did they grow rusty? Rosencrantz, nay, their endeavor keeps in the wonted pace, but there is, sir, an airy of children, little Iases that cry out on the top of question, and are most tyrannically clapped for it. These are now the fashion, and so be rattle the common stages, so they call them, that many wearing rapiers are afraid of goose-quills, and dare scarce come thither. Hamlet. What are they, children? Who maintains them? How are they escorted? Will they pursue the quality no longer than they can sing? Will they not say afterwards, if they should grow themselves to common prayers, as it is most like, if their means are no better, their riders do them wrong to make them exclaim against their own succession? Rosencrantz. Faith, there has been much to do on both sides, and the nation holds it no sin to tarry them to controversy. There was, for a while, no money bid for argument unless the poet and the player went to cuffs in the question. Hamlet. Is it possible? Guildenstern. Oh, there has been much throwing about of brains. Hamlet. Do the boys carry it away? Rosencrantz. Ay, that they do, my lord. Hercules and his load too. 
Hamlet. It is not very strange, for my uncle is king of Denmark, and those that would make mouths at him while my father lived give twenty, forty, fifty, a hundred ducats apiece for his picture in little. Splud, there is something in this more than natural, if philosophy could find it out. Flourish of trumpets within. Guildenstern. There are the players. Hamlet. Gentlemen, you are welcome to Elsinore. Your hands come. The appertenance of welcome is fashion and ceremony. Let me comply with you in this garb, lest my extent to the players, which I tell you must show fairly outward, should more appear like entertainment than yours. You are welcome, but my uncle, father, and aunt, mother, are deceived. Guildenstern. In what, my dear lord? Hamlet. I am but mad north-north-west. When the wind is southerly, I know a hawk from a handsaw. Enter Polonius. Polonius. Well, be with you, gentlemen. Hamlet. Hark you, Guildenstern, and you too, at each ear a hearer, that great baby you see there is not yet out of his swaddling clothes. Rosencrantz. Haply he's the second time come to them, for they say an old man is twice a child. Hamlet. I will prophesy he comes to tell me of the players. Mark it. You say right, sir. Oh, Monday morning, twas so indeed. Polonius. My lord, I have news to tell you. Hamlet. My lord, I have news to tell you. When Rossius was an actor in Rome. Polonius. These actors are come hither, my lord. Hamlet. Buzz, buzz. Polonius. Upon my honour. Hamlet. Then came each actor on his ass. Polonius. The best actors in the world, either for tragedy, comedy, history, pastoral, pastoral comical, historical, pastoral, tragical, historical, tragical, comical, historical, pastoral, scene individuable, or poem unlimited. Seneca cannot be too heavy, nor Plautus too light. For the law of writ and the liberty, these are the only men. Hamlet. O Jephthah, judge of Israel, what a treasure hadst thou? Polonius. What treasure had he, my lord? Hamlet. Why? One fair daughter and no more, the which he loved passing well. Polonius. Aside. Still on my daughter. Hamlet. Am I not in the right, old Jephthah? Polonius. If you call me Jephthah, my lord, I have a daughter that I love passing well. Hamlet. Nay, that follows not. Polonius. What follows then, my lord? Hamlet. Why? As by lot, God wot, and then you know, it came to pass as most like it was. The first row of the pious chanson will show you more, for look where my abridgment comes. Enter four or five players. You are welcome, masters, welcome all. I am glad to see thee well. Welcome, good friends. Oh, my old friend, thy face is balanced since I saw thee last. Comest thou to beard me in Denmark? What, my young lady and mistress? By her lady, your ladyship is nearer to heaven than when I saw you last, by the altitude of a Chopin. 
pray god your voice like a piece of uncurrent gold be not cracked within the ring masters you are all welcome we'll e'en to it like french falconers fly at anything we see we'll have a speech straight come give us a taste of your quality come a passionate speech first player what speech my lord hamlet i heard thee speak a speech once but it was never acted or if it was not above once for the play i remember pleased not the million twas caviar to the general but it was as i received it and others whose judgments in such matters cried in the top of mine an excellent play well digested in the scenes set down with as much modesty as cunning i remember one said there were no salads in the lines to make the matter savoury nor no matter in the phrase that might indict the author of affectation but called it an honest method as wholesome as sweet and by very much more handsome than fine one speech in it i chiefly loved twas aeneas tale to dido and thereabout of it especially where he speaks of priam's slaughter if it live in your memory begin at this line let me see let me see the rugged pyrrhus like the arcanian beast it is not so it begins with pyrrhus the rugged pyrrhus he whose sable arms black as his purpose did the knight resemble when he lay couched in the ominous horse hath now this dread and black complexion smeared with heraldry more dismal head to foot now is he total ghouls horridly tricked with blood of fathers mothers daughters sons baked and impasted with the parching streets that lend a tyrannous and damned light to their vile murders roasted in wrath and fire and thus o'ersized with coagulate gore with eyes like carbuncles the hellish pyrrhus old grandsire priam seeks so proceed you polonius for god my lord well spoken with good accent and good discretion first player anon he finds him striking too short at greeks his antique sword rebellious to his arm lies where it falls repugnant to command unequal matched pierce at priam drives enrage strikes wide but with the whiff and wind of his fell sword the unnerved father falls then senseless ilium seeming to feel this blow with flaming top stoops to his base and with a hideous crash takes prisoner pierce ear for lo his sword which was declining on the milky head of reverend priam seemed in the air to stick so as a painted tyrant pyrrhus stood and like a neutral to his will and matter did nothing but as we often see against some storm a silence in the heavens the rack stands still the bold winds speechless and the orb below as hush as death anon the dreadful thunder doth rend the region so after pyrrhus pause a roused vengeance sets him new a-work and never did the cyclops hammers fall on mars's armour forged for proof a turn with less remorse than pyrrhus bleeding sword now falls on priam out out thou strumpet fortune all you gods in general synod take away her power break all the spokes and fellies from her wheel and bowl the round nave down the hill of heaven as low as to the fiends polonius 
This is too long. Hamlet. It shall to the barbers with your beard. Prithee, say on. He's for a jig and a tale of bawdry, or he sleeps. Say on. Come to Hecuba. First player. But who, oh, who had seen the mobled queen? Hamlet. The mobled queen? Polonius. That's good. Mobled queen is good. First player. Run barefoot up and down, threatening the flames with bizen room, a clout upon that head, where late the diadem stood, and for a robe about her, lank and all or teemed loins, a blanket, and the alarm of fear caught up. Who this had seen, with tongue and venom steeped, gainst fortune's state would treason have pronounced, but if the gods themselves did see her then, when she saw Pyrrhus make malicious sport in mincing with his sword her husband's limbs, the instant burst of clamour that she made, unless things mortal moved them not at all, would have made milch the burning eyes of heaven, and passion in the gods. Polonius. Look, whether he has not turned his colour, and his tears, and his eyes, pray you no more. Hamlet. Tis well. I'll have thee speak out the rest of this soon. Good, my lord, will you see the players well bestowed? Do you hear? Let them be well used, for they are the abstracts and brief chronicles of the time. After your death, you were better have a bad epitaph than their ill report while you live. Polonius. My lord, I will use them according to their desert. Hamlet. Odds bodkin, man, better. Use every man after his desert, and who should scape whipping? Use them after your own honour and dignity. The less they deserve, the more merit is in your bounty. Take them in. Polonius. Come, sirs. Hamlet. Follow him, friends. We'll hear a play to-morrow. Exunt Polonius with all the players but the first. Dost thou hear me, old friend? Can you play the murder of Gonzago? First player. Aye, my lord. Hamlet. We'll hat to-morrow night. You could, for a need, study a speech of some dozen or sixteen lines, which I would set down and insert in it. Could you not? First player. Aye, my lord. Hamlet. Very well. Follow that lord, and look you mock him not. Exit first player. My good friends, to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I'll leave you till night. You are welcome to Elsinore. Rosencrantz. Good, my lord. Exunt Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Hamlet. Aye, so God be with you. Now, I am alone. Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in a fiction, in a dream of passion, could force his soul so to his own conceit that from her working all his visage waned tears in his eyes distraction in his aspect a broken voice and his whole function suiting with forms to his conceit and all for nothing for hecuba what's hecuba to him or he to hecuba that he should weep for her what would he do had he the motive and the cue for passion that i have he would drown the stage with tears, and cleave the general ear with horrid speech. 
make mad the guilty and appall the free confound the ignorant and amaze indeed the very faculties of eyes and ears yet i a dull and muddy meddled rascal peak like john a dreams unpregnant of my cause and can say nothing no not for a king upon whose property and most dear life a damned defeat was made am i a coward who calls me villain breaks my paid across plucks off my beard and blows it in my face tweaks me by the nose gives me the lie in the throat as deep as to the lungs who does me this ha huh. swoons i should take it for it cannot be but i am pigeon-livered and lack gall to make oppression bitter or ere this i should have fattened all the region kites with this slave's awful bloody body villain remorseless treacherous lecherous kindless villain oh vengeance why what an ass am i this is most brave that i the son of a dear father murdered prompted to my revenge by heaven and hell must like a whore unpack my heart with words and fall a cursing like a very drab a scullion fee upon it fall about my brain i have heard that guilty creatures sitting in a play have by the very cunning of the scene been struck so to the soul that presently they have proclaimed their malefactions for murder though it have no tongue will speak with most miraculous organ i'll have these players play something like the murder of my father before mine uncle i'll observe his looks i'll tent him to the quick if he but blench i know my course the spirit that i have seen may be the devil and the devil hath power to assume a pleasing shape yea and perhaps out of my weakness and my melancholy as he is very potent with such spirits abuses me to damn me i'll have grounds more relative than this the play's the thing wherein i'll catch the conscience of the king exit end of act two